0: and welcome to another episode of the Racing Line podcast. Um, tonight, we've got something a little bit different again for you. Rather than doing um, a review on any racing, we've got an interview um, with a young Australian racer, um, someone who has a lot of insight into the into the modern world of, of motorsport and also um, taking the jump from karting into um, motorsport. And that's um, Aaron Cameron, a TCR driver from... Uh, GRM. Um, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for giving us your time. We'd really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to our chat. Thanks, mate. Harry, you wanna, do you want to kick us off, mate? Yep. So we just I guess we'd just like to start off by asking what's your earliest motor racing memory? Like what started it all for you?
0: Uh,
2: my first one that literally comes to mind in my immediate career would be Going to the local track, which is Oakley for me, and I had a family friend who showed me around the track. It was some big junior Top Guns meeting. Uh, um, and yeah, <laughs> saw what was going on, loved it. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I want to get involved in this. I want to get, get a go kart for starters and then sort of take it from there. And
1: yeah. Yeah, cool. And how, how young were you when you started karting? Uh, I think I
2: was like 11. 11 and a half So I started relatively, I'd say, late compared to a lot of guys that I know that started at sort of seven or eight.
0: And we we interested in, in like motorsport before that. Or it was kind of just like you were exposed to the go kart, and that kind of kicked it off. Or I mean, were you watching supercars as a kid, or you know, staying up late for the F one with dad? Like that, you know, that's a, a pretty common story for a lot of people that get into it. Was that part of your experience as well?
2: yeah I uh, always like supercars. My parents used to have got some old like historic cars. so even from a very young age we're always at race tracks doing sort of demonstrations Slash, my mum would race one of the cars. So I was yeah always around the racetrack and always thought I'd probably end up getting into it and then bloodline wise, I'm the great, great great nephew of Harry Firth who used to run the whole dealer team wow. back all those years ago so it's sort of like yeah it was the probably blood. always going to happen that I was get into racing. Yeah right
1: Cool Has a professional career always kind of been the dream since that you know light bulb moment?
2: Uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's always been high up there uh, but enjoyment factor is really high up there for me. Like if I don't enjoy doing it, uh, I'm not going to, there's no point like doing it. So I still enjoy doing it a lot. So there's been times where I haven't, but yeah, we still love doing it. So I'll continue on for as long as I can.
0: I guess another, you know, interesting thing before we kind of go into your, you know, motorsport journey is like who's Aaron Cameron away from the tracks? Obviously, You're racing for GRM now, um, and they kind of have a history of, you know, taking drivers on board, but then the driver's always, you know, working with the team or kind of, you know, um, doing some kind of apprenticeship while they're, you know, racing for that team. Is that a a similar, um, you know, story for yourself as well?
2: Uh, Initially, that was the plan, and I was going to do a fabrication apprenticeship at GRM. And I was starting that, and then COVID hit. Uh, they had to stop work for a while. I needed other work, so I started doing some stuff with a concreting company. And yep. next minute, uh, I think I've just clicked over a year or so with them doing concreting. So yep. and, and not looking back at this stage, like it's something completely different to motorsport, which is I enjoy because it's it is a break from from it all because it does get – there's a lot going on. Sometimes when you're around motorsport, like, every day, it can get a bit sort of uh, overwhelming or, yeah, overrated. So i I just probably got a bit more of the enjoyment factor once I sort of stepped away a bit from the day-to-day stuff.
0: Probably one of the better traits to have if you want to stay fit as well.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's really hard on the back, but – yeah, no, it is good. That is, it's outdoors. I get a good tan. a good tan now. Hopefully, with summer, um, oh, really good sock tan. Um, and
0: don't worry, yeah, mate. we don't see it with the overalls.
2: Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just the guys in the truck when we get getting changed are all like, oh, Jesus, you are white.
0: <laughs> um, so it's all pretty, you know. Funding games, it's all good, and and obviously when I watched that video on YouTube now of you of you um at Bathurst, you know sprinting between the TCR and the and the XL. Now I understand you know why it seemed relatively easy for you, but going into um obviously karting. So you know you've told us about your first experience with karting, and then how did that you know karting journey evolve for you? Um, obviously starting at a, you know a slightly later age, and then just talk us through your development through the categories and then obviously you're pretty successful at the end of your carding career with, with, you know, a few KZ championships as all, well. but you know, what was that whole experience like?
2: Uh, it was awesome. I loved carding. I still love, do love carding because it's just so, it's just something you can do by yourself or with your friends, family. Uh, I suppose I probably had a, Yes, I started late and then uh, another different thing I suppose about my career is because my dad is actually, I think they call it legally blind now, so he, he can't see. So it's always been my whole, like, and that's since I was born, so pretty much. Um, so I've had a different career where to do anything, it's has to be me, my dad, my mum has to take us or we've always usually had to get a helper or like a full-time mechanic in to just help us to get to tracks and that. So it's always been a bit of a a different career. I'd say I've had than a lot of drivers, um, but I think that also helps that yes, my dad knows a lot about mechanical motorsport, that side of it, but to get an outside opinion for a lot of my career has been really good as well, where we can, and just sort of, pick a bit of his brain, pick a bit of our brain, just sort of mash them all together, I think really helped with our progression because we were a few years behind everyone. There's a lot of catching up to do and then we sort of got it all together towards the end of my junior career. And then once we went to seniors in KZ, again, we were sort of good for the start then lost away in the middle of my sort of KZ career and then got it all back together at the end. So it's been good I've loved it but it certainly is a bit of a a different point to a lot of drivers
0: so when you obviously talk about uh, your father and obviously your story I mean a lot of you know people children when they obviously are doing a sport they always have that well a lot of times they have that father figure that kind of either pushes them into it or is obviously you know a, a big part of that journey but with your story was it kind of and, and obviously with what you said earlier about you wanting to get into carding when you had that first experience with it, I'm assuming that that kind of meant that you were really kind of pushing the carding and then you obviously had to set up, you know, the family and team around what you wanted to achieve, obviously because of um, your dad's blindness. Was that, is that kind of the case?
2: Yeah. I mean, my dad pushed it a fair bit initially, It's I'd say, um, was getting it all together um and then we did have a stage i think probably when i was 13 14 where it started the new season that i wasn't in his uh well, probably in both their eyes showing enough interest and didn't want to do it um because and he was doing everything at that stage and then pretty much just stopped doing it all i'm like oh when are we going testing when are we doing this and and that was probably the best thing he ever did that He didn't do anything for probably a good month. I sort of let it slide by and then I'm like, well, why aren't we doing anything? And he just pretty much said that if you want to do it, you've got to go out there and either do it all yourself, start working on the go-karts or at least start helping him with bits and pieces. So I I think that was probably the best thing for me at that stage to really start actually doing stuff myself. And it's helped me all the way through now for the rest of my sort of career so far.
0: And at that stage, was that kind of um, still local karting or were you already kind of racing, you know, in the, in the AKC at that stage?
2: No, nah, I think that was that was still sort of state a state level when we were doing sort of local slash regional championships. At that, nothing, not much interstate. the state. I think yeah. probably the year after that is when we started to go more national with the whole thing and get even more serious.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so then obviously, I don't know if there's, if there's any carders listening and, and they obviously know your name, it's pretty synonymous with the, with the JC card and that fluoro helmet that you used to wear. Um, but how did that, how did that um, whole experience come about obviously um, you know hooking yourself up with, with the JC card and then I mean you're probably then an ambassador for them for you know three or four years wouldn't it have been at least. or well, one of their lead yeah. drivers.
2: Yeah, it was it was a cool experience. Like we did the first year in KZ with the team I'd been with for a few years in juniors, which was DPE Car Technology, and then they didn't want to run the race team uh, at such a such an intense level. I'd say going forward, so I was sort of looking at other options. My mechanic, he was from Queensland, and he's really good mates with John Target, who was. Uh, doing the whole JC card program I'd say with when and gets along really good with JC. So yeah it sort of all come about through there and then yeah it all happened pretty quick towards mm-hmm. the start of that year and then from there it sort of just blossomed. We had some some decent results in the first sort of year uh, tried we would that was the cool thing about being part of a proper manufacturer that if we wanted a different chassis or we wanted to try stuff, it was all just, just do it. Like it was, it was really cool. Um, and then James also helped me with my, I think I was racing the Toyota 86 series. So yeah, he'd with the sort of deal we'd done, he'd help me with track walks and a bit of preparation for the 86 series races, which were on the supercar weekends. So sort of all worked in really good. Um, and then we finally got the, the championship in 2018, which was sort of a nice ending. I don't, None of us sort of, we were going into that third year, which I sort of figured was going to be my last in KZ. Yeah. Uh, with relatively low expectations because we weren't putting as much effort in, focusing on other things and sort of everything just sort of fell into place. The one year that we weren't exactly, we were still trying, weren't doing as much testing, sort of stuff. It was more of a lesser effort, and somehow we ended up winning the thing. It was weird.
0: <laughs> so, so by the time you're at that stage, um, you know, with JC Card and things like that, from a financial point of view, um, you know, were you have or were you having to put as much, you know, money in the carding or with the the factory, you know, drive, so to speak, um, was that kind of taken care of to you know a greater extent?
2: Uh, a fair chunk. Well, I, I suppose all the way through karting, we always we, we ne- could never afford to go with, say, the best teams that do all the testing and spend all the money on tyres, engines and all that. Yeah. So all the way through, we've been helped out from different teams. And it was the same with this sort of JC card case. They did as much as they could for us, which was great. And I tried to return the favour as well with any of the young kids that were in the team. Tried to sort of help people um, where I could. Obviously, I didn't know a hell of a lot about cadets or like the young seven to ten-year-olds, sort of how to how to help them effectively. Um, but it was it was good. Like they were probably that was some of the more fun years. It was more relaxed at JC uh, for them a few years to. Yeah, a lot more of a family environment with the team, so it was fun. It was really fun, them years, and
0: yeah. And obviously, you said in that championship year, year where you were kind of looking, you know, forward to other things, and um, a little bit less effort was kind of put into into the karting. Uh, was that already because you were, you know, thinking about you know what your transition plan would be, um, you know, into you know car racing. And I also just had a side question. So with, obviously, the, the JC connection and um, their affiliation with, you know, Parallel and things like that, at any stage during your carding career, was there ever, like, the thought of, um, you know, trying to get overseas to Europe and, and try your hand at it? Uh, yeah. Uh, for,
2: like, from the European side of it, I went across in 2015 and did five or six races, um, which was again really cool. Like, I was 15 years old, traveling to like four or five different countries, uh, had some pretty good results for what was when we just used to rock, go over there, uh, rock up on race weekends, and do the best we could. It was pretty cool considering kids over there, they spend Week like a good week testing at circuits beforehand, if and they've probably already been there multiple times before that. So, like, we what do we come? We come like second and thirds at the Italian and German national championship rounds that I'd done over there, qualified top 10 at the two world titles, which I did. Like, it's from when I look back, they are some pretty cool results. Yeah. Um, like. For, for the preparation testing. We weren't necessarily with the best teams. So, yeah, they were some pretty cool times, but I just never really had the money. To, to really have success over there, you've got to spend – like you've got to go over there full time, do all the testing and preparation, do all the races, and it's some of them guys spent the money they were spending. We could do a really cool program in Australia, racing cars, which is, at that stage, I thought a lot more cool, but it's the same thing. It's still racing, so it's still all be fun. Um, but, and then even in Parallel, we did the world championship in the KZ karts. But, yeah, we just had a few things that weekend that didn't exactly go away. Uh, I struggled a bit with the whole... The way the parallel set up their stuff compared to the JC, just the small little differences that were making a rather large difference that weekend.
0: Yeah, so, so just, just obviously to finish off, um, on the cutting because you know it's it's a it's a pretty interesting sport. I mean, there's um, very rarely, well, there aren't, I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of sports in general where you know that that much money is spent in relation to how much money, you know, people are spending in carding. Do you have any kind of hot takes or, uh, you know, what's your overall opinion of, of the carding scene in Australia? I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for it. I'm, you know, just carding at a, at a club level and you, you, you're putting, you know, some, some good money. And obviously the the higher you go up, um, the more you're spending, um, and then obviously, you know, it's, it's definitely not, not the cheapest sport. But when you think about karting, is there any, you know, anything that could be improved with the sport as a whole, um, you know, to kind of obviously increase, you know, the amount of people that are in the sport or to make it more affordable for them? Or, you know, do you have any you know, insight into that? Uh,
2: not so much. I think they've done a decent job in the last few years of trying to get the club level and state level back up and running but yeah for a while there I think everyone was going straight national championship way too early in their careers like they were just and it was burning a lot of people's budgets where when I started you did the club days for a year you did the state level for a couple of years worked your way up and it sort of fed the whole system where now a lot of people are just going full-blown into national championship doing their week or so of testing before each round and then families just don't have the money to keep doing all these other state rounds and club days and all that. So and they've been doing some good jobs with restricting testing before rounds. So then people are, they're not forced to go to club and state rounds, but instead of going testing, they're going racing more often and getting back to a bit more of the fun of racing, which is what club days and state stuff really is, rather than the nationals, where when you're testing and everyone's all serious and it's just not as it's not as fun, I don't reckon. I, just, I love racing, not testing.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I, I can kind of, you know, um, see see that point, to be honest with you. Because, I don't know, even in, in New South Wales, we've obviously, um well, there's been a bit of an issue with, you know, karting Australia and karting New South Wales, you know, splitting. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to, you know, end up being resolved. But just from, like, a karting New South Wales point of view, the whole club scene seems to have been... Um, reinvigorated which is you know great to see the numbers are up and, and and that's that's all awesome it's just now a matter of seeing you know how they kind of reintegrate those higher levels of karting for those people as well um, but going from your karting and then um, you know moving into your into your you know car racing career what was you know the initial thought process there so 2018 you say um, you know you win the championship but you're already thinking about I assume the transition. So what was that whole thought process like for you at that stage? And then how old were you also when you were obviously thinking about that transition plan?
2: I think from a young, like even young. So I moved to, I'd say we had a sort of a multi-year transition because we started the state formula forward in 2016, I'm pretty sure so that was my first year in KZ. So we started it all quite early doing a Formula 4 and KZ program. Uh, and then, yeah, I think it would have been probably 14 15, start thinking about what, what you're going to do, what's happening. And I think Formula 4 was uh, starting up around then as well, which wasn't ever really on my radar. I never really wanted to do Wings and Slicks. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially, Especially at that, you came, sort
0: of, you came third in the Victorian Championship. I've got up here, which is you know still pretty good at that. Two thousand and
2: sixteen. Yeah, yeah, it was certainly uh, a good year. Uh, Learned a hell of a lot. Crashed a few times, which is what you do in Formula Ford, and made a made a canoe or so. So, yeah, we we had a good times, and we sort of moved on the next year. Uh, looking at sort of doing a national Formula Ford but then budget wise guys are spending a lot of money in Formula Ford with the testing and racing and all that so we were sort of looking at doing a national but then the Toyota 86 series come up uh, I think the year before and that sort of took our eye and went because it is so cost effective the promotional side of it is great so we more went that way. We kept the formula forward. I think we did. We did two national rounds, and we put a massive effort into the the second one we did at Winton, which was a joint Supercar weekend. So we really we put. I think we did at least two test days where we had um, like a full on testing program of new tires, cold out the gate starts, like it was just. It was a really it's the most serious program we'd ever done to try and make sure that we were on it and fast and that we'd win Winton,
0: which we did. And then like, it, it all went on to plan. Was that, was that essentially just to get exposure on like the supercars weekend? Was that the thinking behind that?
2: Yeah, yeah. That was like, if there was a Formula 4 national round to win during the year, that was the one to win because it is in front of the supercars um, and it all went according to plan, so I think. And this is all former forward for us was all just me, and my dad, and my uncle was my mechanic. Like as a that in that year, the year before we ran with Ball, and they were helping us, yeah. which is the manufacturing spectrum. And then that year we just ran ourselves. That year we did, did a couple of rounds. We just
0: did our own thing, and it worked. And you guys were funding that all yourselves as well, or you had some kind of sponsorship backing too?
2: Ah, uh, that was all funding from yeah ourselves. Well, so and that's why we had to do it by ourselves because otherwise we just couldn't afford to go with like like a Sonic because they Sonic hundred percent of the best team out, but obviously it, it, it all costs money for Sonic to to make a great team like that. So,
0: so so uh, for what for a team like Sonic, just as you know. As an example, um, how much money would you be spending to do or or putting into a season with with that team, if you if you were going to you know race for them? Like, what kind of figures are we talking about for a Formula Ford Championship? I
2: honestly don't know figures currently, or even can't remember what they were doing back then. But it was sort of double what we'd spend, like our expense wise. Was half what they would have. Like mechanic, we, all our mechanics. Like it was all just a family thing. I didn't have data. Like they've at least got an engineer on each car, a mechanic on each car, uh, all the massive trucks to take all the cars around. So yeah, expense wise, I think they were a good, probably double what we would spend as a family doing it ourselves on a reason a reasonable budget, but still cutting. Kind of coldest, let's say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. After you, Harry. After you, mate. I was just going to ask, looking at the 2017 um, season, you went from Formula Ford to 86s to utes. Did it require a lot of driving style changes to to handle the different cars and get the maximum speed out of it, I guess?
2: Yeah, it was... Yeah, especially going to the V8 ute for the last two rounds there off... the last year and whatever the two rounds I did were, it was quite difficult because they are such a weird car. They've got the brake booster but then they don't have ABS so they can lock brakes really easy. Yeah, I found that really challenging. 86 wasn't bad because you've got the ABS and they're on an R-Spec tyre like you can just throw them around. So, But yeah, definitely V8 Utes was and that first time we were driving a V8 was something very new to me.
0: Fun to drive, they seem so odd to watch. Um, you know, just on the TV, are they a fun car to or a fun ute to drive those things?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I like anything to drive really, as long (laughs) as it's reasonably fast, I don't mind. Uh, yeah, it's I haven't had many negative experiences in car racing, really.
0: Just when you just when you roll those utes, mate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, I suppose that was probably up there for uh, not a great one, but at the same time I got to roll the ute. I first time I rolled a car. So that was pretty exciting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So obviously, you know, you've, you've driven, you know, a bunch of, of cars, you know, between the age of 2016 and then 2018. Um, you mean, we spoke about the Utes, you know, 86s production cars and then 2019, the, um, TCRs obviously introduced in Australia, um, you know, after a lot of success globally. How did you, you know, get into that field and 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 what opportunities were opened up for you to, to make that to make that grid?
2: Uh, a lot of my opportunities in 2019 were actually opened up by Ryan McLeod, who uh, yeah, the previous racer racer and well, previously owned racer industries now as well um, and mark cars australia i'd done and, and i met him through jc Carts, um so a lot of it come from i guess back at jc Carts, and then and then a lot of the current stuff's through ryan mcleod who's helped me a lot with the initial mark car drive at Queensland raceway which i did well at and then he helped me get over to Barcelona to do a 24 hour race in a TCR car um, which was like the week before all real last minute stuff
0: Did you race at Bathurst the 12 hour in one of their cars as well?
2: Yeah and I did the Mark II, the first one of them what was that, 2017 or 2018?
0: 2018,
2: 2018. Yeah, so I did the first one of that with him like he, he really helped me a lot from sort of the start of, from around the 2017 when I started with JC Carts and from then on Um, made a few calls for me for the 2019 season to try and really get me in a a TCR car, which was awesome. And even then, to get me in a GRN, he uh, opened some doors there uh, initially. So it was good.
0: And and obviously, you're probably at a point where, I think, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, but everyone, you know, every young person, like driver in Australia loves supercars and, you know, is interested in, in in kind of trying to get there as, you know, as, as the goal, is that kind of the same for you as well? And, and, you know, obviously you've, you've moved into TCR, um, but, you know, was there any consideration into kind of super three, super two, or, I mean, it is quite, you know, expensive category still, um, but, you know, were they considerations as well um, when you were, you know, going through that transition into racing?
2: Uh, yes they were, I suppose there were considerations but and there's plenty of teams that did that, come up here and want, want to run you and all that but when they say they want to run you in supercars usually it comes with a with a price tag and all them price tags were um, not anywhere near what we could spend like supercars is a, a really yeah it's an expensive category but they're ex- like they're man-made sort of machines. So I can understand why they're expensive, but it was just never really in our budget. That's why we were sort of doing a lot of sidestepping to try and get the supercars. But now I'm in TCR and I'm pretty happy there. And there's there's opportunities globally in TCR that could could come of something, but you just, you never know in motorsport really what's around the corner.
0: Yeah, that was actually the next question that I was going to ask you because, I mean, obviously, it's it's, it's been interesting. I mean, the first year of TCR in Australia was, you know, a kind of caught everyone by storm. You know, it was pretty. People took to it pretty pretty well straight away, and then the last two seasons, I don't think it's really been able to build as much traction because of obviously COVID and things like that. Um, but there's obviously, you know, quite a lot of TCR racing globally. Um, you know, you know, Europe, America all over the place is that is that a you know a reasonable um uh, proposition for you moving forward something that you're looking into um you know actively and, and if and if that's the case then um once like obviously now that you're established in tcr um do you are you still required to bring some kind of funding to the to the category or if you wanted to overseas is that um something that would need to be taken into consideration as well Or is it kind of a a lot more sustainable kind of racing?
2: It's certainly more sustainable in Australia. Uh, It's still, still, I mean, car racing is always going to be expensive. So, yeah, it's certainly a lot more sustainable than supercars. For us, um, Jerem held me out a fair bit. Going internationally is a bit of a question mark. It's been super hard to do anything like I can't leave the country without doing the 14 day quarantine till sort of now ish. Um, So yeah, the original plan when I started with Jerem was to do was to try and push and go overseas with it all. But then COVID sort of really mucked up TCR in Australia and globally, but mainly us sort of thing. So certainly in the future, I'll be looking at trying to get over and do a few, do a few races um, here and there, like some TCR Europe races, would be really nice. Uh, but it's just trying to make it happen cost effectively at a track. You got to try and pick the track for depending on what car you're going to be in. With the way the BOP works, you don't want to be going over there and get hit pretty hard on BOP and not go to a track that the car's not good at sort of thing yeah
0: yeah so that's a really good point and how and just in general how are you finding obviously the category i mean it's just from a fan's point of view it looks you know awesome to watch i mean earlier in the year at, at bathurst and then even at even at eastern creek i mean the, the racing is awesome the field you know it's full of i mean the fact that chas Mosta is racing in it as well like a current supercars driver a lot of you know ex-supercars drivers that are you know still know really quick and there's obviously a a lot of young talent as well you know how are you enjoying that whole you know category
2: it's awesome like to have it's good having the name people in it like if there was just people like me Jordan Cox um I suppose Ben Bogman has got a bit of a name behind him but um a lot of young guys in it you probably wouldn't get the fans as into it. So it's and it's good to have guys like Charles and Lee Holdsworth in it Caruso to race against them. they yeah, Caruso like and, and racing them is it's different to racing a Jordan Cox. Like they they're probably we're we're good, but they're probably a step above in the racing department in some circumstances that yeah. they really do show their experience at times. But and that's why when you beat them, it is a hell of a lot more satisfying.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, even when you just think about the, the race that you had with Kaz um, Mostert at, at the mountain earlier in the year, I mean, you're the only one that could really hold a flame to him for, for, you know, that race. And that was, you know, awesome to see. But then just transitioning slightly. So, I mean, we see, you know, in a number of series around the world, you know, Nürburgring 24-hour, the Creventic 24-hour series, that race, GT3 cars and those TC tcr cars together um i mean and obviously the tcr and you know australian gt calendars are kind of converged now as well do you reckon there's any possibility that we could see a tcr class at the Bathurst tour of Hour, you know anytime soon racing as a separate category to the gt3s and how do you think that would that would go
2: uh I'm just thinking about lap time wise uh it pro it, i think it could work it'd, it'd be very exciting for us yeah in tcr but the, the the speed difference is hard because bathurst there's so limited overtaking spots over the top yeah i think that's why they've clamped down a bit on the speed of cars and the, and the gd3 guys that are coming out they're not just M guys, there's a lot of pro teams. It's part of the Intercontinental GT yeah, World Challenge, I think it is. Yeah. So there's such a high level of uh, cars there that I think they've got to try and make sure it's mainly GT3 or or Mark cars yeah. that aren't too far behind and know their, not know their place, but they sort of try and stay out the way as best they can. Mm. So uh, it'd be cool if they did it. But too many tracks, too many cars at Bathurst can get pretty, pretty wild because you'd want to have a good at least five or six TCR cars on the grid to make it interesting for TCR cars. Yeah, that's,
1: that's true. More. Top of the mountain would be pretty frightening too, with There's so many. Cars lapping stuff, at different eh? speeds.
0: Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Um, so obviously we've seen, you know, Will Brown go from TCR. He raced, obviously, in Super 2 as well, but he's taken the transition from TCR into supercars. Um, do you have any, like, insight into how much credence, you know, young TCRs or young TCR drivers are given in race relation to supercar seats? So, obviously, supercars as a Super 3, Super 2 to kind of project young drivers into the main game, but is any credence given to those young performing drivers in TCR, um, you know, by those teams?
2: Uh, I don't know specifics about but I think Supercar teams are always looking at every category that's out there. Um, like for myself, I've out of the blue a week and a half ago, I got a call from Walcontrol and Trinity United asking me if I wanted to come and do a, a driver evaluation day, which I did last Tuesday. So that that's sort of stuff that I've had no contact with them. In the past, Mm. like like the only way they could have known of me is through my TCR results. So I suppose, yeah, it does have some... They've seen what I can do on a TCR, now they want to put me in a supercar and and see what I can do there. So that was pretty cool. So I I guess it does have a level of um, showing what you can do to them. But Mm. as I've experienced now, the TCR car to a supercar's there's a big, a big difference. Yeah. And if yeah. you're not experienced to that, it's, it's a, a lot more of a difficult jump than most would
0: expect. Yeah. That was actually one of my, you know, next questions. I mean, how different, I mean, obviously they're completely different you know, concepts as cars and, you know, we can talk about the, you know, the, the, the different driving natures of those cars, but how much of a jump is it, you know, from the TCR car, you know, which is still, you know, seems like it's pretty zippy, you know, to get into that, into, into a supercar. And, and, uh, and actually, before I you know, answer that question, will it change, do you think, you know, with the Gen 3?
2: Uh, I don't know a hell of a lot about the Gen 3, but I think it could come a bit more back towards the TCR if they're, if they're losing aero. Like the current cars have a lot of, for me, had a lot of understeer uh, and wasn't super wild, like in the rear, where TCR, it's always... Just trying to control the rear. So I think if they take the arrow out, maybe they'll have a, a bit more of a looser car, and it could make it a bit more like TCR. But considering TCR has paddle shifts, it's auto blip. It, it let you just left foot brake, and it does it. That does it all for you, especially more like the down changing. It's quite easy mm-hmm. where you get, <laughs> um, you get in a. What the hell was my last song? Um you get in a supercar and it it does it. Like you've got a heel toe and blip and it's just there's a lot going on sort of thing.
0: Have you done your so, car kind of battery, mate?
2: I haven't done a car battery. I'm just I think it <laughs> I think it did go into battery saver mode. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know what went on there. But yeah, um I'm just trying to keep the lighting half good in here. Now it's getting <laughs>
0: that's all right we're more, we're more audio than visual but um, yeah. that's that's actually quite interesting and you know obviously I've been asking a few questions about you know TCR and the supercar field and things like that but um, with the growth of TCR you know at the same time we're seeing you know dwindling numbers in super 2 and super three kind of to the point now where they're where they are running together um, is there you know any you know chance to th- do you think that we could see some kind of amalgamation between the categories you know with supercars being obviously the the pinnacle and then you know having tcr as a kind of feeder um, for that category obviously they're they're operated by you know different companies that have you know contradicting interests but with you know the the, the nature of the sport at the moment do you see any value in that
2: uh i'd see it as very unlikely Just supercars needs to keep the super two, super three running and progressing, and especially at the moment when they're all the supercar teams are trying to flog off their gen two cars in a year's time. Yeah, they there needs to be somewhere for them to go, so it'd be hard to make to even have TCR as a feeder category. I don't think supercars would push it because they need all the teams need super two and super three to. Yeah, to, to be able to push their old cars too and, then, and, and all their parts, not just the cars, the, the parts that they have spent so much time and money developing. Yeah. Um, they've got to be able to sort of get some return on that when they're trying to, instead of taking it to the scrap metal yard, I guess. That's
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> a really good point. And this is, this is uh, you probably can't answer this question, but I thought I'd throw it in there anyway. Since you're kind of, you know, working at GRM boots to the ground now, any any chance that we could see a GRM car back in the supercars paddock with you know with Gen three if it becomes more affordable?
2: Uh, I mean this is no in no ways any official communication from GRM, but <laughs> I I don't see it happening at the moment. They're very invested in TCR, TA two, and then the S five thousands there. So, so I can't see them getting back into supercars, but I didn't see them doing the, the wild card in last year. Yeah. So, yeah, you just, you never know. But at the moment, I think that they've got a good plan for the future with TCR.
1: Oh, awesome. So, Can I just point out though, what a team to test for in supercars, Walkinshaw and Drury. Oh, awesome. Like, yeah. That's amazing. It was,
2: it was a very unexpected phone call. Um, so I'm very grateful to them. And it was just like, yeah, it was very unexpected. And yeah, I've been offered a lot of times to go try out Super 2, Super 3 cars and I'd sort of turn them down. But when you get offered a chance like that, there was no way I was going to say no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. uh, so even with even with just kind of the whole, um, what are they called? Not the wildcard drivers, but, you know, the, the second driver that race at the Enduro rounds. I mean... Mm. Uh, you know, for a, for a young driver trying to obviously get in the category. I mean, we saw it with um, Tom Randall as well. That's kind of you know, that's kind of the and Will Brown, Will Brown um, with Erebus. That's that's kind of how he kind of proved that he was, you know, good good enough for the category really. So that, that's that's awesome to to hear. Um, a few yeah. random, a few random questions just just to finish off. Have you been following the Formula One this season. Most most of it. Do you, have a, do you have a hot take for who will take out the championship?
2: I hope it's, personally, I hope it's Verstappen because I'm, I, I like Hamilton. He goes, he's clearly a freaking awesome driver, but he's, he's one of the few years in a row now. So I wouldn't mind if Verstappen got up.
0: Yeah. yeah. None of us in this podcast like Hamilton. So, he- you don't have to be oh, political correct about it, Fair. so <laughs> no. not at all, not at no, all. We're, we're all we're all hoping that Supermax can get it done. Um, and the last yeah. question, this is the most important question. Um, yeah. So earlier on, I made um, I made mention of your you know fluoro green and yellow JC helmet. That was you know freaking awesome, and um, you know one thing that we do talk about you know, fairly regularly off the podcast are, are drivers that get rid of the visor or the iridium visor for the for the sun shield. And, and you've done that. You've done yep. that. What's the what's the scientific reason behind it? Firstly. Is it just heat and glare?
2: Uh, I, I suppose when you're in open wheel or carts, of course you have to have the visor and you have it down, and you have a little bit of air coming in. But yeah, initially when I went into cars, had the visor down, and yeah, it gets hot in there. And then probably just fun and a couple of test days in, you know, I just always had the visor flat, stick all the way up. Yeah. So when I was getting my latest helmet, I was like, "Well, screw it! <laughs> like, why do I need a <laughs> visor? Let's just get a peak." And then it's and then it's done. Like it's and I, and I still I I push that up as far as I can because I don't like anything. I like to have nice wide open vision okay. um, so yeah it's just yeah I mean I, I got to drive a, an s five thousand today at the test day for the first time so that was not good because having a helmet with a peak on it and I didn't have a visor with me I had to borrow someone else's helmet so I could actually drive the car so maybe I did do need to go back to the visor just so i can I can drive anything
0: even just on even <laughs> I think it's even just on like sex appeal. Like it's just I think it's just sexier when you can't see a face. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That is true. That is true. hundred percent
0: But um no that 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 was just a you know a stupid question to (laughs) answer. Um but you know we really appreciate you know you, you taking the time to to jump on and have a bit of a chat with us. I mean a lot of the you know the things that you brought up are actually quite interesting and your whole motorsport journey, you know, even though it's still you know, in its infancy, really, um, you know, it's, it's quite good. And, you know, we're obviously the reason why we need to um, kind of message you in the first place was because, you know, we're fans and I've been following, you know, that name since, you know, it was kind of recognized in karting. So we, you know, we wish you all the best. And, um, you know, hopefully in the, is there any more TCR races this year? Are they racing at Eastern Creek or, or Bathurst to end the year or,
2: uh, or? We were meant to be racing at the last Eastern Creek, but now we're doing Bathurst to finish the year. Well, then, so, nice. well
0: that's a better yeah. place to go to anyway, mate. Yeah. It's a lot more fun. <laughs> and, uh, but we, uh, we yeah, we wish you all the best of luck to, you know, to finish out the season. Um. Thanks for taking the time and hopefully your battery is still good once you yeah. get off this call, mate. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate yeah. it. Thank
1: you guys. Thanks, it's mate. Cool. Appreciate Great.
0: it. Cheers, mate. Thank you. So thanks to Aaron for taking the time, obviously, to to chat with us. I mean, obviously, I think we all can take a little bit away from, from that interview and, um, We've obviously got uh, a few more podcasts coming up to end the year with the Formula One and the MotoGP uh, finishing off in the next few weeks. So thanks so much for taking the time um, to, to listen to us tonight. Uh, please, if you're you know, watching on, on YouTube, give us a like, give us a, give us a subscribe. Please share this podcast with any of your friends uh, or family that you think might be interested. Um, and if, you're, if you see us on the socials, uh, firstly, if you're not on our socials, please follow us. Give us a like. Uh, And then obviously, if you are, again, please share that around. Share the love. Thanks so much and have a great night, guys.